Yeah, hello everyone. How's everybody been? How's life? Pretty good. Good. Are are we podcast intros or are we friendly intros? Well, let's let's make them both. We can we can do both at the same ooh, time. Oh, all right, all right. Ooh, that's ooh, that's and that that's scary. will imply right. a sort of um, uh, a sort of uh, banter or candor. What's the word? Rapport. I'm for? Rapport. We have that. Rapport. That's the thing yeah. that we have. Yeah. We do have that. Um, the lilacs are blooming in my neighborhood right now, so I'm um, kind of just hanging out with this uh, sprig of lilac that I stole from a tree, and I'm extremely into it. That's that's my whole like life right nice. now. <laughs> You are hanging out with lilacs? That is amazing. <laughs> I'm just chilling. <laughs> yes, that's such a barn thing to do. Welcome to Second Watch. <laughs> that's Yay. the show oh, that we're yeah, doing. That. Second yes. Watch. Um, oh, yes. I'm Megan Dornbrock. I'm Alex Roberts. And I'm Jim McClure. And I don't have lilac. I'm very sad now. <laughs> nor nor I. Like I'm trying to see do I have a lilac substitute, but it's mostly just books and Legos I'm surrounded by right now. Mm. <laughs> well, what's blooming in your neighborhood these days? Uh, garbage. Yeah, Meg, you, you live in New York, so I understand that you're not allowed to have flowers. Yes, it's against the law. <laughs> I, I'm told we have them in Ohio, but uh, I, I'm not like, I, I see outside and I'm like, there's a bunch of green stuff out there and mm. there's a little bit of color stuff, but that's about as much as I know in the description thereof. So you know what? I'm going to say I have an entire field of lilac right now. It's green lilac. It's really straight and pointy and they cut it every week, but oh, it's beautiful. I like. It. I love this impressionistic uh, swath of Ohio. Yeah. What a magical place. Oh, yes, the, the magical place of Ohio, the most average state that has ever stated. What's it, What's your state motto? Is it just like, good enough, or like, not a problem? Ohio, we are 25 out of 50 in everything. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> if they're the 25th state, I'm going to be... So happy and mad oh, at the same time. <laughs> I don't know that answer, but I, I do know when I moved here, it was like cost of living was like literally 25 out of 50, taxes 25 out of 50. I'm like, this is this is the most average state ever. Yes. This, yes. This Political affiliations, 50-50. <laughs> if I start talking about my life, I'm just going to talk about living games for um, several hours. So I want to hear like what's like, like. Meg, what's what's going on with you? What's sure. up with you? What's in yeah, your life? my my scry, I guess, uh, is mm. my semester just ended, so that's super good. Um, Yay! Yeah, I've got one more year, and so I, you know, the end of the semester is always is always kind of tough. But I had the privilege, I guess, of of watching the folks uh, a year ahead of me who are finishing this program, just kind of. It devolves into this madness of of panic mm-hmm. and you know no sleep. This uh, it's it's terrifying. It's a little terrifying because you swear you're like, oh, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to plan ahead and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get my work done early. <laughs> it's like no, it's not going to happen. That is going to be me in a year. There's no avoiding that. Um, but it was nice. We got to it's like see their senior the, the show, see all the work that they did, all the like the the little shorts that they made or the games that they made, that sort of thing. So that's really cool. I love animated shorts. I get very, very excited about them. So that sounds like, yeah, there were some really good ones. There's like across the board, it's still very much like student work. And, and this program Mm -hmm. in particular is like, we're not a specialty school and we're not a private school and it's a short program. So like we, we, Mm -hmm. we turn out generalists, which is fine. That's what I, that's what I wanted when I signed up. Um, so there is still this, this, there, it's very much student work, but there are, there were some really cute ones 
and just some some really thoughtful, really nice work. So it was that was a nice treat in the middle of my finals stress, you know, trying to finish all these projects was here you go. Like this is this is where you'll be next year. This is what it'll feel like. So it was nice. good. Yeah. So now I get to not have a real schedule like like an adult uh would and I am definitely in danger of becoming nocturnal because that's what happens when I don't have a schedule and I'm just at home working all the time. Um, <laughs> and that's my life. I, I, now, see, I've got to ask this. All right, now this is going to reveal too much about me, I suppose. But um, like, because I'm, I'm kind of curious what the wow, that sounds like one of my talking tables. Do it. I, I, no, all right. No, I'm just curious. I, I have never been in like the education world, and and like that. That sounds like an odd thing to say, but and what I mean by that is, I was homeschooled from first grade through twelfth mm. grade, and I have never gone to college. So like organized and structured education is something that doesn't even exist within my mind. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right? It's weird. Um, I'm like, yeah, you all go into a building and learn stuff. God, you all are weird. Um, <laughs> it is very, it's super very weird. weird, I think I should say. Well, you can't say weird when like that's the majority of, of, of humanity in, in, in the developed world. But it's not like the, the majority of humanity across like humanity's lifespan, mm-hmm. right? Oh, true, true. Yeah. V- yeah. Very, very true. But but what that, that's less I so I, it, it's weird to me like what's the what's the concept and and like this is a weird question because I'm asking you and everyone listening to this probably has this feeling but what's the like okay school is done now I have three months to do blank like what mm-hmm. I, I that that entire feeling confuses um, me I I was thinking about that a lot actually this particular. <laughs> point in my life because I've, I've done school I feel I'm the exact opposite of, of you Jim I've been in school basically from the beginning you know like uh, this is not my first time in college either so uh, I, I can't get away from being in school I it, it feels very normal to me um, but I was thinking about it this semester and there usually is this like this feeling of okay I, I only have like X number of things left to get done okay I'm down to the last week I just have like two more finals just got to get this last project out just got to do this and then like I'm home free I can do whatever and and there's usually like this sense of relief like at last here is my my vacation or my you know I, I can just do whatever I want to do for a week or two weeks or a month or you know however long the, the thing is and this time I, I I didn't have that. Like uh, I, w- I was thinking, like okay, I just have to get this one last project out, or it's it's I'm almost done with this. But the other side of that is, like looking past those those last few deadlines was still like I have more work to do. It might not be schoolwork, but like I I still have things to do, uh, projects that I'm working on, you know, jobs that I'm doing and that sort of thing. So so that doesn't. It's not there anymore. I think it's it's something that happens when you're younger and you don't have those those additional things on top of school that you need to be doing. Um, so I don't I don't know. I don't know if that really answers the, the question, but that's sort of where where my head has been at this this semester. Uh, it, maybe that's me being an adult now. <laughs> I think I think there's definitely this idea of like school is really like hard and like oh you have to do all this stuff and then a break comes and then you like go on a fancy trip or you like do nothing and you sit idly or whatever. And, uh, that's never been my experience of education. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's like summer, cool time to work full time so I can go to another semester, yep. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's always kind of been, and like, I, I also, 
I have a very negative reaction to the idea of like you're in post-secondary education and you and it's like a job or it's like work and you hate it and whatever because like I, I think I had a very different experience um in university than probably lots of other people because I went to this like tiny weirdo um Catholic university that no one had heard <laughs> of and I studied theology and philosophy and um and uh, counseling stuff and pastoral stuff and and I was just like totally in love with it and totally obsessed with it. So for me, it was like, oh, summer, like, uh, I have to like go and work so that I can come back and do this thing that I like. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah. I, I guess this concludes the, the, the part of Second Watch where, where Alex and Meg teach Jim about how the world works. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's very cool. So what is it? Um, so when you were, were homeschooled, was there much of a schedule or a structure to it? Or how did that work for you? Oh God! All right, so here's all right. Here's here's more more Jim McClure history. Oh my goodness! All right, so um, the majority of my my grade school homeschool, uh, my schedule was I woke up at six o'clock in the morning myself, and I flipped on uh, the radio, uh, 93.5 The Beach, Murph, Mickey, and Cowboy in the morning, and I listened to them from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, and I sat in my little bedroom, and I worked on games, whatever it was I was working on at the time. That was my, my four hours set aside to listen to my favorite radio DJs, listen to a little rock music, and just work on work on my projects. Uh, and then uh, from 10 to 10.30 was The Daily Show from the night before, so it was the, the replay of that. Uh, so I would watch that, and then at 10.30 is sort of when I started school and then schoolwork would happen from like 10 30 to like one ish and then school was kind of done um and most of it was all of the uh you know it, uh, most of it was self-study some of it was the, the the parents teaching some stuff but mostly it was here's the book learn read the concepts here's the test your grade is based 100 percent off of these tests in the book yeah Mm. uh and that was yeah that was that was first through 12th grade pretty much i i probably wasn't watching the daily show in first and second grade (laughs) but um yeah that was uh that 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 was school yeah jim that is enchanted and i really like it the i i i have become i think school did that to me i am a very much a creature of habit because like i said Mm -hmm. that what i laid out to you i mean there was years where like that is the routine and that's what what i did so yeah yeah there's there's a little bit of jim mccord so that was every day then like even through the summer like, I mean, there's structure to it, and, and we did have breaks. We were normally off for a couple months in the summer, so I guess we did we did have a summer break. Mm-hmm. I feel like our schedule went a little bit longer, and then there was some funky stuff that happens. Like, I didn't feel like doing eighth grade, so I skipped that and just went <laughs> right into high school. That's no joke. Mm-hmm. That's what happened, too. I was like, but if oh I'm getting God. pre-credit for all these classes, why don't I just do a couple others and then just start high school this year? And they were like, okay, sure. Um and uh yeah yeah so uh other than that i mean yeah that was (laughs) that was that was kind of school yeah and then the last i I did all my stuff early enough going through high school that literally i had two classes i had like an hour of school a day for my last year nice and i i work yeah i worked full time pretty much since i was 16 just because i could so i think the worry that most people have about homeschooling is but the kids don't get socialized so was that was that games for you uh, we'll see. All right. What is, is this? All right. This is, this is how Jim this is, this is, I'm right. super yeah, fascinated <laughs> by, by Jim's homeschooling. Sorry. 
Yeah. Uh, th- there, there was. Uh, listen, homeschool is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. Never do it to your children for exactly that oh, reason. No. Of oh. do not homeschool your kids because there is a large missing social aspect that comes from that. Now, I am well adjusted, <laughs> sort of. Um, but the, the my I, my I two older brothers, um, they would let's see, they don't listen to podcasts. Yes, they would not be very well socially adjusted. Uh, for that issue, I did a lot to sort of get out and get involved with people. Uh, so like mm-hmm. I started doing karate when I was 12 years old and I still do that to this day. Actually this week I did four different Kung Fu demos cause I do Kung Fu now. Uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> so, I'm just, I'm grinning from ear to ear. I, I love all this. <laughs> so I, I started getting involved with that. I got involved with a, a program called the civil air patrol, which is sort of like an ROTC program, although a little bit different cause it's not like a pathway to the military, but it's very mm-hmm. militaristic. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, we do we do primarily search and rescue stuff. Um, actually, in the Shannon Germain interview, that's why I, I was asking her a whole bunch of questions about when she was a, a paramedic and an EMT because I did a lot of sort of that similar stuff through their through their cadet program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gave me a lot of a lot of social interaction. And then the the other thing is I spent a lot of it's the weird the weirdest thing about homeschooling is I spent almost all of my time dealing with either my brothers or like adults. Mm-hmm. So. All I mm-hmm. learned to do is like how to converse like an adult, which I'm still not a good adult. Like I'm still <laughs> clearly a child at hand. And if I didn't have like bills to pay, I would be getting up at six o'clock in the morning, listening to the radio and designing game for, for four hours, then listening to the daily show um, <laughs> because that is perfect to me. But uh, but no. So like every, all I have a lot of adult interaction and I lost certain things like I don't know how to do like small talk um, yeah. because <laughs> I was never into sports and and I never had like that aspect of, hey, I'm with other people for eight hours a day regularly throughout my thing. I don't know how to just sort of talk. It's like if we're going to have a converse, we're going to talk about something. So let's talk about, you know, and of course it's me. So I go, let's let's do heavier topics. Let's do bigger <laughs> conversations. So you, 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 you meet me on the street and it's like we have a conversation that we're just going to elevate up that to medium and high level conversation <laughs> because why talk about the weather? Who cares? So there's uh, yes, I've, I've, I've speaking of talking, I've gone on way too long. There is a, a slice of. <laughs> gym for you oh no that's great thank you i uh having have, this was on this was on the schedule right yeah. to talk about homeschooling specifically yeah, okay. I'll, I, I'll I, thought it it I thought it was i thought it was harassed jim about his his homeschooling just having yes. been in school or in education for so long and um sort of being an educator for a little while that that really turned me off to the system in general like mm-hmm. like i definitely came away going i'm gonna homeschool my children this is the worst so i like getting input from the other side that helps <laughs> yeah i the, the the long and short opinion is i think it worked out fantastically for me i do not recommend anyone do it yeah so how, how how's that for an answer oh thank you that helps so much <laughs> mm. so the, the other person that is that has got to be brimming to talk right now is is alex alex i i feel like there's there's like a topic that's like like on your mind, perhaps that might fit into the scry section. Should we just? Yeah, let's just talk about cons. Tell us about your. Oh con. my gosh. Let's do it. <laughs> it was. Uh, I like. I bought. Like, I got like a special little notebook to bring with Aww. me, and it's so beautiful. And I filled it with like everything that happened, and like every all the talks that I went to, and all my notes, and like the dreams that I had when I was there, and the various birds that I saw, nice. and dresses that I wore, and it's just like I just. It was really, really. Um, so I went to Living Games 2016, mm-hmm. which is basically the second Living Games convention, although it's very different than the first one. Um, 
in Austin, Texas, and it was, it's definitely the most international conference I've ever been to. Mm. Um, there was all kinds of folks from like the Nordic countries and a lady from Russia talking about Russian LARP culture, which is so different. I was amazed and delighted. Um, and also there was just a ton of diversity in terms of people from different LARP traditions. So like people who were doing stuff in like um, education and simulation and like doing like business simulations and Ooh. people who are running like like super combat focused like amp guard like buffer stuff people who are doing people from dystopia rising and other kind of like big like um really widespread like campaign larps people who are from like the society of from interactive literature and like the intercon scene and doing like like that kind of stuff and lots of like weirdo freeform people like me Mm -hmm. and we all kind of got shoved into this like very small space and the con was very carefully organized to include like speakers of from all different backgrounds um and and um to kind of push us all together and not let us kind of clump up into our little uh uh cliques of who knows who and Mm -hmm. who like plays the same games and uh, and that was, I know that that was a huge, like really, really important goal for the organizers and was very successful. And it meant that like, I was listening to, um, you know, two ladies from AmpGuard talking about the incredible amount of data collection that they do on their players, which no one else in LARP is doing. And we're all like super confused about how to like find out who's doing Ooh. what. And they have this like amazing system that they've, of like questionnaires and, 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 and surveys and stuff like that, that they've been doing, that they're amazing. Um, and you know, I was... Uh, Emily Care Boss was going to her first like Vampire the Masquerade LARP. She was like, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And yeah. And like, it just, everyone was really kind of like reaching out and doing different things and talking to new people and, um, and having like preconceptions challenged too. Right. Because in, in North American LARP, I think there's like all these kind of like weird misconceptions about like Nordic LARP, you know, and how they LARP in the Nordic countries. And it's like so cool and serious and successful and mainstream accepted and like artistic and whatever. So it was really, really cool to have people from Finland and Sweden and Denmark there to be like, you know, actually that LARP that like looked really cool on camera had these five problems. And actually, you know, most of our LARPs are like, uh, hitting each other with sticks in the woods we just also do these other things and to kind of like break some of that down a little bit um yeah I could just go on and on and on because everyone there was just really cool and interesting and like open and like willing to talk about kind of cool and weird stuff and like it was just it was just really really awesome <laughs> that's great how was it different from the last one did you go to the one last year uh, no, um, the first Living Games Conference was organized by Shoshana Kesak basically as her, um, like, graduate thesis. Um, so it was a very small, like, very academic, um, LARP conference. And so Sarah Lynn Bowman and Lizzie Stark and Emily Kerboss and Ashley Zadeb and a couple of other people, um, were like, what if we kind of took that idea of having, like, an academic conference focused on LARP and expanded it and made it a lot bigger and included both, like, theorists and practitioners and included both like presentations of research and games and keynote talks and social activities mm. um and it's also kind of based on Knudepunkt uh, Somokota which is this um uh, famous convention that kind of rotates between a bunch of different Nordic countries um so it, it kind of took some ideas from that as well yeah so so I, I I didn't go to the first living games but um but yeah I think this one was really its own thing in in many ways 
Can I ask you a question that has nothing at all to do with that, but is something that I really, really want to... Actually, no, it, it's inspired by something that you said in there, which okay. I haven't heard before. And I know, of course, everyone comes to Second Watch specifically for GM advice. Mm-hmm. So this will this will touch on to those people. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you talked about them, them, you know, taking notes and statistics and like uh, that kind of stuff. Um, that is fascinating to me because I swear I was the only crazy person in the world that actually did that uh (laughs) do you all actually take any sort of like notes when you're you're running games or anything that of like your players themselves not the characters or not the stories but like what the players are interacting with I I am terrible at doing any kind of recording or like Uh, note-taking or anything of games and I throw everything out like I know people have like folders and folders and folders of like old character sheets and stuff Mm -hmm. and like prep notes and that kind of thing I I mean first of all I'm terrible at prep prep, and I rarely do it but like I record pretty much nothing and if I do it like immediately goes in the garbage (laughs) you you heartless monster (laughs) I know right (laughs) I've got like like 20 feet from me right now is Muck Tuck the Barbarian the first ever uh, character that I ever played in wow. tabletop. Like I have his fourth edition sheet. Like it's twenty feet from me right nice. now. It, it's cool. I'm a hoarder. I have all of my stuff around here, whether I meant to or not. So, <laughs> I think a lot of it comes from like I I moved around a lot as a kid, mm. and even like as an adult, I've moved a fair bit. And so when I ha- when I possess an object, I immediately think about like putting it in a box and carrying it around and like carrying it upstairs. Mm. So I'm like very. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm so non-materialistic. I'm so like above stuff. I just, I tend to view objects as like annoying responsibilities. And so if there's like a physical note of something, I'm just like, oh, God, put it away. Recycle it. I, I wish I could do that. I have too many books to have moved as many times as I have. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> the, no, I, I, I was curious. I guess what about you, Megan? Do you, do you take any sort of those like notes on, on the actual like players? On the actual players? No, not... Um, like mentally, definitely, I, I do. Um, and I think some of it, depending on the group that I'm playing with, um, like I have, a, I have a group that we've played fairly regularly for um, the better part of a year now, that we notice things about what other people interact with and, and kind of call it out in gameplay. So so while I don't have like a, a sheet anywhere that says like, oh, uh, Kevin is going to, you know, like try to hit on any lady that comes his way. Like we know it's going to happen. We know that's what he'll interact <laughs> with. Like that's that that's great. But no, I, I hadn't really thought about it consciously before now. Do you, Jim? Uh, yeah, I'm insane. Um, here, here's, here, that's the like I, I have people ask me like, oh, how do you how do you run games? And I go, you don't want the answer to it because the way I run games is absolutely bonkers insane. Um, no, what, what I do actually, all the notes that I take on my side of the GM screen have literally nothing to do with what's happening like at the table. Well, let me rephrase that. It's having everything to do with what's happening at the table, but it's all about the players, and I take no notes about the campaign or their characters' interactions. Not a one. <laughs> not, not not even interested. Not to say that I'm not interested, but they will remember the parts that are important to them. Uh, mm-hmm. What I do is I am just sitting there, and I am uh, just methodically trying to, 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 to get an idea of their mental picture. This sounds insane, right? As I'm saying this, this sounds insane. <laughs> sounds- um, this sounds great. 
Yes. So what what, what I do is, and, and you know, people listen to Talking Tabletop have heard me talk. You know, I, I often reference the the eight kinds of fun, as it were, uh, because yes, there are eight kinds of fun, and Tabletop does seven of the eight. It doesn't do the other one very well at all. The the, the submission type of fun doesn't work with with role playing games. Um, but uh, no, it's it, and I literally have each of my players written down, and I have the eight kinds of fun listed from them. And every time they engage with one of those types of fun, they get a little tally mark there, and oh. those are the notes that I'm actually keeping behind the scenes because I'm trying to see what types of fun they engage with so that way I can craft future stories and and future game sessions to include those types of fun for those characters and I know well if this scene is touching on discovery and that player really engaged with discovery when I do this scene they will be more engaged with this than perhaps the other people and it helps me craft my thing so yes I'm absolutely insane with it and I thought I was pretty much the only one but when you said like they're keeping these kind of or you know probably obviously different types of records but actually look Looking to to collect data in that kind of way, all oh, that fascinates me so much. It's um, I think I'm going to have to have um, uh, there are t- uh, two women who kind of work together, and I'll have to have at least one of them on the show actually because it's um, it's just such a massive undertaking. And Emptguard is uh, very unique in in terms of uh, like its larpiness and its larpy tendencies, and how it's very very focused on combat and um and combat and other kind of physical things like crafting and costume making and prop making uh, and there's not a ton of role playing so i think people are more obviously i mean everyone is always themselves when they're role playing. doesn't matter how far they think they're going from their own experience but but i think in amped guard um people are like really really like transparently themselves when they when they bring even a quote-unquote character to the battle so um or you know to the scene so i think they're really like prepared to think of their players as players right and not just like as characters Hmm. um so they're really well prepared to be like well what god and they're so smart in terms of like which groups are growing and which ones are shrinking what are the ones that are growing doing uh what are the ones that are shrinking doing or not doing Hmm. um you know what's what what does leadership look like how is leadership turnover like do people stay for long like oh it's just super really really interesting stuff and I, and I like that you're thinking of what your players want instead of what their characters want, because I, I mean, that's kind of more important, you know, and <laughs> you can kind of do a lot more with that. that. That's the honorable way to say that I'm trying to cut and categorize them into, into my own little <laughs> worldview of things. So that way I can work <laughs> and manipulate their emotions to the highest level of great role playing. So, yes, that's the that's the sinister way to say what you just said. Yes. It's very smart and I'm going to steal it. So. <laughs> Man, oh, it sounds like it was a really good convention. Like it, it probably probably the best con ever. Like my my first dreamation was um a pretty magical and like transformative experience in like my life for so many personal reasons. But I would say Living Games is is probably the best con that I've ever been to. Although maybe I just feel that way because I just come off it and I'm all like high mm-hmm. on it. But but I really I was impressed by so many things about its design. Um, uh, Meg, do you have a favorite con? Is there one that you like look forward to or is there one in your past that you're like, oh, yeah, that was the con experience? Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really been to a lot of cons. Um, mm. I actually, I guess part of, of my scry maybe is uh, I this just a couple weeks ago, I went up to TCAF, which is not a games convention at all. <gasps> 
I love TCAF. Yeah, it's it's so oh. it's the Toronto Comics and Arts Festival, and it's in the Toronto Reference Library. So it's this free convention to go to, and it's all it's like indie comics uh, and artists. And this year they actually did have some video games, um, which oh. I know there's oh. a lot of really good crossover between people who work in indie comics and people who work in indie games and the the kind of things mm-hmm. that they create. And that's right up my alley. But like I wasn't prepared for that, so I wasn't really in a video game headspace. So I really didn't uh, look around it too much. But it's it's mm. just such a sweet, like very everyone's so nice and everyone's so excited to be there. And you can tell that everybody's like enjoying like this is the con they go to to like meet up with people and, and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, see their their friends in the industry and like hang out with people. So like it's I, I, a lot of people that I follow online, you know, they, they, they speak of it so lovingly. And it is it's a really nice con to go to. Um, it- it's it's really nice to go to like i i used to be extremely into comics i still love comics but um and like i've been to kind of like bigger cons like comic cons um and i hate them uh, yeah and they're bad and i don't yep. like them and um something that i still love tcaf i don't always make it out because i just do a lot of gaming mm-hmm. cons but what i really love about tcaf is that you go and you get to like meet people who make who you know are creating art that you love and they don't look fucking miserable yeah like they actually look like they're happy to be there and they're not like having their soul drained out of them. Yeah. You know? And that's really uh, refreshing. It's really nice. I'm really glad. So many of them, they'll say like, this is my favorite con. Like this is the one I try mm. to go to, you know? So it's like, oh, that's so great. I'm glad we all want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and you can walk around and, and find stuff that you've never even heard of before. Like I, I came away with some stuff from people that like I didn't even know existed until I went. And like, that's the fun of it. Um, yeah. But for games conventions, I think... Uh, I have been to 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 few of them, but Metatopia last year was probably my my oh, favorite yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was it was a very good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to go back to Metatopia. I can't wait. Jim, have you been to Metatopia? I've not. This is going to be my first year Yay! going to Metatopia. Yes, That's right. I'm excited because I've heard. Of course, both of you have talked so much about it. Uh, you know, James and Cat talk super highly mm-hmm. of it. Uh, just this week, I did a recording with uh, with Jason Pitt, and that's pretty much all he could talk about was how awesome Metatopia mm-hmm. was. And I was like, okay, so every single person I know that's been there goes, "This is the best place in the world ever." So I'm like, I guess I probably should go there. Yeah, you should. I'm excited for you to go. No, I'm, I'm I'm super excited. I'm super excited. It's going to be oh, it's going to be a hassle to to, to be there. But other than that, because uh, uh, well, because I'm gonna even though you didn't ask me, I'm gonna answer your question too. Do it. Uh, as far as my, <laughs> my favorite convention, I'm just jumping on this. Uh, my favorite convention is actually uh, this little convention that we have here in Ohio that the RPG Academy people could on put on called a Catacon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard good things. Yeah. I got a ticket. I don't know if I'm going, but I got a ticket. <laughs> you absolutely should go because a catacomb is sort of this this completely crazy, insane, small convention that has a ridiculous number of really big people there. I mean, um, mm. th- this year we're, we're going to have uh, John Wick's going to be there, obviously, of, of, of 7th C and L5R and a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have Sean Carmen back, who's the lead writer of L5R for years. Ken Height's going to be there. Will Highmarch is going to be there. Rob Schaub, who did Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, uh, let's see. There's like three or four other people. Uh, and then it's the podcast Mecca because uh, <laughs> Misdirected Mark's going to be there. Uh, most of the uh, James and Cat from One Shot's going to be there. Cthulhu and Friends podcast is going to be there. I know I'm missing other people. And all of these like huge, awesome, important, super great people are here in a convention of 200 people. 
And you literally just walk by and go, wow, like the creators of some of the biggest RPGs ever are just, there's one at that table and one at that table and one at that table and there's podcast people and there's podcast people and there's that. (laughs) And, And it is this incredibly small feel like, hey, we all as a group are just going to sit here and it's it's entirely RPG focused. I think they might have some board game stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it's entirely RPG focused. And because it's this sort of small nothing convention, what all of the these people do is they go, hey, I'm going to bring out the stuff that I'm working on just because why not? So like last year at it, I got to sit and play 7C 2nd Edition before almost anyone else had played it with John Wick because he goes, hey, this just got announced last month and it's been working on and here's here's the thing let's uh let's sit down and play it and of course i get to run all of my my ridiculous fun games there too uh so i just uh, a catacon is the this weird special little gem to me of it's like hey everyone come together we are all one big gaming group for this weekend let's do this <laughs> thing and i just ah oh, such a special feel to it based on what you are saying that you like about a catacon i think you will fall completely in love with metatopia oh absolutely i will but see here's the thing about metatopia I'm going to be one big, huge monster of stress at Metatopia <laughs> because being being a game pub- a new game publisher, I have a whole bunch of projects they're going to be working on, and I know I'm going to be running Reach of Titan there because it's going to be in, in, in heavy development at that point. So I'm going to be nothing but a nervous <laughs> bundle of stress the entire time because I'm going to be playing my games as much as I can and then still trying to do like that whole podcast interview thing because I'm pretty sure just about every single person there I want to have on the show. Yeah. So, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Ah, it'll be so much fun. So much fun. Con season is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, I started that with, with, with the one quick magical thing. Literally, Metatopia and a Catacon are back-to-back weekends. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. That's why I didn't go to Metatopia last year, because I was like, I've got to take off time for this mm-hmm. and not that. And then this year, I'm like, all right, let's just, let's just hunker down and do this thing. Let's two conventions, back-to-back weekends. Let's make it happen. You, you reminded me something very important about Metatopia that I'm going to like say now in front of people and in front of the whole <laughs> internet so that I can like commit to it, which is that I am actually somewhat seriously been working on my dread hack about sexual tension, tentatively <gasps> yes, titled tension. Yes. I know. And it's like, I, if I, maybe if I set the goal of having something testable, like play testable for Metatopia, maybe I will actually do it and make it happen. And even saying this is causing me tremendous fear and just like intense anxiety. But, but yeah, it, I I really really hope that I can have something like ready to go and put in front of people by by Metatopia. That would be amazing. Awesome, commit to it. I love it. You can do it. You absolutely can do it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be so fun. It sounds like the common theme between all the cons that we like are just what are what are the small intimate cons of like mm-hmm. people who really want to be there and just want to hang out and be yeah. friends like yeah that's that's so good and that's why we're all going to Gen Con. Yeah. I was gonna say yes, and then we're all gonna go to Gen Con where there's seventy thousand people and it feels like the place never ends. Oh boy, oh. Oh. I'm so terrified. Do, I'm do, do, sweating. Do, do, do. Going anyway. <laughs> No, no, yep. it's, it's honestly, it, it is a lot of fun for different reasons. And I know on, on the last second watch, we talked about Gen Con, so we won't go that deep into it. But I mean, it, it is really fun for different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, just because it feels so grand all the time. But uh, that can be very, very nervous. But then you will walk into the, uh, the the dealer's room and go, wow, this is bigger than I think I can even see in four days as far as just all of the different booths and stuff for sale and games in development. And uh, mm-hmm. it is 
is oh it's awesome it's awesome good times good times <laughs> i'm i'm very excited that um i've been in touch with the folks who run games on demand and i really wanted to work with them and like help host or do something uh and this year they want to do like larps on demand yeah. yeah so i'm going to be i'll probably be facilitating a few runs um but i'm going to be kind of organizing a bunch of just like slots where whoever shows up shows up and then we will run some kind of short you know kind of two-hour freeform game based on the number of people who are there and what people are in the mood for and i think that's going to be amazing because i'm noticing i like the more that i hang out in like rpg spaces the more that i sense this like deep deep hunger to larp everyone wants to larp and they just need to like let their larpy like <laughs> self and feelings and desires out mm -hmm. so i i honestly cannot wait i hope i larp with so many first timers oh i bet you will that's gonna be awesome yeah oh. i'm really excited I'm looking at, uh, I, I, turns out I can make it to Dexcon, speaking of Metatopia and double exposure events, which oh, is cool. in um, about a month from now, actually, the 4th of July weekend. And they have not the full schedule up, but they've only got the LARP events scheduled right now. And I'm looking at it going like, okay, I should do at least one while I'm there. Like, I gotta, mm -hmm. I gotta try at least one of these. Um, you should totally, so, totally give yeah. it a shot. Um, and if you want, if you want, I, I have not looked at, I'm not going to Dexcon, but if you want, I can look over stuff and like make recommendations based on what I know you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love to play, uh, okay, I feel like everybody loves to play matchmaker with games. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there's nothing more satisfying than being like, ah, yes, my friend, you, you know, you should meet this game. The two of you will just get along like a house mm -hmm. on fire, you know? <laughs> cool. I will, uh, I will write some things down that, that look interesting and consult you. See what, what you, Excellent. what you know about things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. So, Jim, I feel like we pried into your, your distant past. Did you have anything else for your, <laughs> for your scry, for your recent past oh. that, like, you would like to talk about by choice? <laughs> Uh, well, all right, I get a choice in this one. Okay, yeah. that's, I'm not accustomed to this. Okay, uh, I'm used to getting ambushed about questions of my past. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, all right. <laughs> um, no, uh, let's see, yeah, I've got, all right, let me think. I think I can cover this topic and not, like, go on super, super long about it. Um, hmm, all right, I'm going to talk, and then if it's boring, we'll just cut it, and then I'll just say, <laughs> no, there is nothing, please move on. So use that audio if this is terribly boring. Sure. Um, the, uh, the, the big thing that's been going on for me is I've been learning what it means to be a game publisher, uh, and oh my goodness, there's a lot to it, uh, <laughs> an unbelievably large amount to it, um, to, to give some context, this actually hasn't been announced yet, but why not this, this being the first announcement of something that can't be announced, so ha ha ha, uh, and that is, we've been heavily in development of one of our board games called Capital City, and it was, past tense, slated to be kickstarted in mid-June-ish, something like that, June 19th, I think was the date, something like that, uh, which is only a few weeks away. Uh, but that Kickstarter is not happening. And the reason that Kickstarter is not happening is because I had another publishing company approach me and go, hey, we're kind of sort of interested in buying that game from you. Uh, so again, I can't talk details because all of that's still going on. But this then thrust me into the world of publishing and how publishing deals work and how publishing contracts work. And I am in this, this yes, uh, I you know as a day job, I'm a business consultant. So I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the concepts, uh, but I'm definitely not a business consultant in, in the publishing world, and 
all of the little minutia is is strange and fascinating and scary and overwhelming and cool, sort of all at the same time. So uh, if, if that's not too vague for everything, sort of my scry has been <laughs> diving deep into, you know, what this whole thing is, how it all works on the back end, and, and the deep, deep business side of of getting RPGs and board games out in front of people. So that's been been my world for the last couple weeks. Nice. Do you feel like you have a mentor or like advisors or like people that you can talk to about stuff like that and get advice? I do. Um, and see it. This is another one of those terrible things. I'm, I'm super, super hesitant to actually say who that is on the mic. Uh, but okay. I will say this. Uh, yeah, the, uh, by, by the wonderful grace of, of the podcast world and running a show where I talk to people, I've got to met a whole bunch of super, super awesome people. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, there is one in particular, uh, that is really sort of helping me a lot in this process. A person that, that knows a lot about this side because they've been on this side of the business for 20 years. Uh, and, and they really have, have helped me in that regard. Uh, but there is just, I mean, a phenomenal amount to learn. And, and I think, you know, to, to answer your question and, and to, to the credit of the community and the RPG world that we have, we, we are so inclusive in all of my experience. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't really, really ask for that kind of mentorship. I, I never would have because I would think it would be way too prying, but we, we are such an open community and really try to build each other up so much that, I mean, there's so much. Ah, just so much gosh darn love and support that we give each other. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's so good to hear. And that's really exciting. Like, even if this doesn't work out exactly the way you're you're hoping or thinking it will right now, like, I, I can imagine that's going to be awesome knowledge to have. And just, like, there's there's no bad outcome from this. This is... Well, exactly. It, it's, it's kind of like when I got into to doing podcasts. I go, okay, if I have the three people that listen to this show, to my, my show, uh, I go, well, A, that'll be a 50% larger audience than I would expect. Um, and B, it was, okay, when everything's said and done, if it's terrible, it's not good. At the end of the day, I know now how to record good audio quality. I know how to do audio editing. <laughs> I have I have trained myself <laughs> in skills that can be used to do something, yeah. uh, you know, even if it all fails. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, I can, I can, I can, expand my horizons I can learn more I can work with people and you know whether something becomes a bit great and if not I have this expanded set of knowledge this expanded set of tools that might be useful for something else you never know I love it so there's eternally optimistic Jim yay no that's a great great way to approach things thinking about you know what am I gonna get out of this it maybe it's not you know like it's it's really easy to get this is like me talking extremely real where i get very (laughs) attached to like specific outcomes like Mm -hmm. things have to go this way and like i have to get this thing you know out of this and it has to happen in this fashion and generally i'm a lot happier when i can actually manage uh, on the rare occasions when i can manage to just be like i'm just going to engage with this and something cool will come of it and i have no idea what that's going to be yeah I've got a lot of that too. I, I'm a very active planner. Like I am a, you know, but, but, but it, it took me four months to launch the podcast. And before it launched, there was a two and a half year plan for what it was going to be. Cause again, that's the insanity that is Jim. Um, you know, and, and I have to plan that way. Although I guess I don't necessarily have that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like, I have to have a plan, but I know in my mind, the plan will change, you know, at the, the, the end of the two and a half year mark, uh, it's not going to be where it was before I 
I launched just because there's no way to actually accurately produce that far or to, to think that far ahead. But, uh, you know, if I if I don't have a plan, that's when I feel, oh, I feel lost and uncomfortable if I don't have a plan. I got to got to have that rigid structure, got to have that. <laughs> radio from 6 to 10, uh, daily show from mm-hmm. 10 to 10.30, yeah. and then schoolwork begins. And if I don't have that, I feel feel lost. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I feel like, uh, I know we talked a little bit last time, like I have to have lots of notes uh, about what I want to do. But it, I know that if I start to plan uh, too much, I will just plan forever and not actually do the thing. So I, I have to, at some, like, it, at some point early in that process, push myself into just doing it because that's the only way it'll get done. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what we've been playing lately. Megan, I'm very interested to hear what you've been playing lately. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. I have, as far as like role-playing games, those sorts of things go, uh, what's the last time we talked? Like about a month or two ago? I, I actually did do a LARP. Um, with oh. some folks here in New York City, um, was it Game in a Curry? Put on a the Hades Holiday LARP. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, I know some people who went to that. It sounded super. It fun. was so fun. It was really good. Um, I, I I had a really good time. I ended up uh, playing as one of the department heads, um, which mm-hmm. unfortunately came at the cost of of one of our good friends. She got hurt and, and couldn't participate, so I feel really bad about that. But I think she's she's mm-hmm. doing better, so um, that's good. <laughs> I hope she recovers <laughs> swiftly. Um, but it was it was a really fun time, and I think it's the first time that they've run that game in particular. So there were, mm-hmm. I think, a little uh, a couple of hiccups, and but overall, like I don't think you could tell because uh, everybody was having mm-hmm. a really good time. And I um, I met somebody at who came into play. They were in my department. So uh, I guess a little uh, background: the Hades Holiday Party is uh, the the holiday party for the Hades Corporation, which is run by the devil. And each of the departments is one of the seven deadly sins. Um, and so I was envy and somebody was in my department and they showed up and they, I think had absolutely no idea what they had signed up to come participate in. Like the event had been advertised on some website that's like not necessarily about gaming or LARPs. Um, And so I, I really like, I really wanted to, to walk them through, like, you know, here's what you can expect, or, um, you know, here's some things about, you know, this is a LARP, and this is what you'll encounter, um, and this is what we do, and it's, it's just for fun, and, like, here's your character sheet, uh, this, you know, this is the background for the story, but, like, having this, this game never been run before, and this being, like, my first real LARP, you know, that sort of thing, I felt really ill-equipped to do that, but I hope I did a good enough job, like, they seemed like they were having fun, um, he was, like, a, a, told me he was like kind of a shy person. So like he, I think, I think he was doing okay. Like I went to check on him a, a few times, but uh, it was an interesting experience because I, I think I also figured out that like, I really like being able to do that for other people, like making sure mm-hmm. they're having a good time. Like I wanted to, yeah. to, to put things out there for him to interact with or to make sure that like he was having fun at this LARP. So I, I'm excited to learn more about how, uh, some you know LARPs kind of go and, and what what I what tools mm-hmm. I could use in the future you know to if I were ever in that situation again yeah that doesn't surprise me at all you'd be a great facilitator and like being able to pick up on cues and like keep an eye on because um, you know the really the biggest difference between LARP and tabletop is just that it's usually 
not always, but like it's very often impossible to know everything that's happening. You know, like at tabletop, you can you can put different scenes in different place places in time, mm-hmm. but generally, like everyone is like immediately like mutually aware of like what's going on. Um, as we're in LARP, like there's there's going to be things that are happening that you're not aware of, and so you have to figure out ways to like communicate and ways to like pick up on just enough to kind of be functional and keep things going without getting attached to like I have to know everything, you know. And the other thing is, it's really hard to tell if someone is having fun at a LARP. Sometimes their fun does not look like fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, a, like he may have been having a great time, but and, and is just a, a shy, introverted person. So was just happy to be around other people having a conversation, and maybe like that was enough. Yeah. But um, it was good. We were leaving, and I was like, well, I hope you at least got a funny story out of it. Like I went to this thing just <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was something else, and this happened to me. So like. I don't know. Wherever he is, I hope he's having a good time and has a funny story to tell people. So That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that's about it. I, I played Norlandia a couple times. Uh, oh, nice. How is, is it? How is it? Super cute. It's it's yeah. so good. Something is really satisfying about building a murder board. It's just <laughs> so good. Um, and they funded, which is great. So everybody can play yeah, that yeah, here soon that'll be, that'll be wonderful get norlandia if you haven't already it was lots of lots of fun we played one that was um like traditional D kind of fantasy themed because you can make mm. the city whatever you want so we were like all right everybody meets at an inn and somebody's dead so it was mm-hmm. fun to to play with those tropes and introduce people who haven't played role-playing games before to like this particular game with like some trips and um you know um stereotypes and things like that that they're used to just from like lord of the rings or whatever like yeah you know what elves are we'll just do that so um mm-hmm. it's fun it's a good system <laughs> i'm i'm really excited for norlandia because um it's my new game that i think i'm gonna play with my dad yeah i've, mm. I've gone through like a couple of these of, of games that like I, I like i still kind of maybe will play dread with my dad that's like in up in the works but like i've He's super, super into noir and like loves noir to the max and also like loves weird science fiction. Um, mm. So I'm thinking like, okay, maybe maybe this is the dad game. Yeah. Like maybe this is, will be the one. Oh, that'll be perfect. <laughs> does, does your dad like to build things? Is he one of those dads? No, okay. no. My dad is very like... Um, I feel like he's undadly in certain ways. Like, like when I look at like Father's Day gifts and like Father's Day cards and stuff, mm-hmm. it's always the stuff that like I could never picture my father like doing or engaging with or enjoying. Nice. He would rather like, yeah, he's yeah. Well, I I could get into the I could get into a yeah. very long thing, but I won't. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but I'm kind of been looking for the like, what's my dad gonna dig? And and I feel like Norlandia might be it. Let, oh. let me just say that that undadly is my favorite adverb now ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is fantastic. And I don't mean that he's a bad dad. He's the no. best. He's the best dad. But just wow. all of the sort of like aesthetic trappings of dadness yeah. don't really like apply to him. <laughs> That's wonderful. I can't wait to hear how it goes. It, whether it's this game or another game that you do finally play with your dad, I wouldn't. I want to hear all about it. That's what I was about to ask. What is what? What is this quest? You you you've never have you ever played any games with them? You know, and obviously I mean Monopoly or whatever. But you know, like RPG role play games, you've never done any with them. But you're trying to find one. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when we were kids, we would play board games all the time, and like actually some really cool board games. Like we didn't really play a lot of Monopoly, but we I don't know. He would just find like weird board games and we play them. Um, and uh he is like very suspicious and like has a hard time with like video games mm-hmm. i think because he had a like brief galaga addiction in high school. <laughs> so like finding a game that he could like uh, like a digital game that he could play and enjoy um which ended up being mario kart 
um, nice. was like really cool yes. and felt nice. And that was like good a good choice. way to connect. Yeah, totally. Um, but no, he's never played a role playing game. And like my father and I have a lot in common. Like we read a lot of the same books and watch a lot of the same movies and like a lot of the same music. And so like my whole like this huge thing that's kind of becoming like a gigantic aspect of my life is like really opaque and like confusing to him. Like he's never played like even like Dungeons and Dragons when he was younger or anything like that. Um, and he so he doesn't get it. And so like I want to like introduce it to him and like expose it to him. But I, I just have this thing where I need it to be like such a positive experience that he like loves. Like I really, yeah, I, I felt the same way about my younger sister, which I succeeded in because I played cat with her, um, John Wick's cat, mm. which she loved. And like that went off so well. And like now she totally gets it and like loves it. Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of looking for like, what's going to be the equivalent game for my papa. Awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say two two things. One, a I need to play Cat. I actually got a uh, John Wick gave me a copy of it while I was at his house because we we brought it up about something. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, you've never played it," and he grabbed a copy and handed it to me. And I was like, "Oh, it's like it's like the copy." Obviously, I'm sure it was just a, from a stack of extras or whatever. But I'm like, "All right, I've got to try this thing now." Uh, and then the other thing is that is so I don't know. It's so strange and foreign to me because neither of my parents would ever 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 even consider playing a role-playing game i mean not even Hmm. the question um uh dad just because that's not like games aren't his cup of tea you know we're going to every 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 interaction with dad is we are going to 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 sit on his porch and we are going to share stories and most of the time it's about the same dozen stories from from Mm -hmm. the childhood but it's great and we share them Mm -hmm. and we sit and talk play a storytelling game <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say he sounds like a great gamer to me. Somebody just loves sitting around telling stories. Fuck oh, he, yeah. he he's a phenomenal storyteller, but he mm. he 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 could never. I doubt he could ever make up a story mm. like it's it's all you know, uh, it, it, it's dad stories. But uh, and and then m- mom is the uh, m- mom is the uber Christian. Uh, she is the one that I have to put the L five R books on the front of my display, and that way she will go. Oh, you're still playing that samurai game? And I go yes, because if I tell her that I play Dungeons and Dragons then we got to have a whole long other conversation oh, no. uh, that, so that's really interesting yeah so she yeah that's 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 not a world that she's ever going to to, to roll dice or anything like that mm-hmm. in but uh, no that that's fascinating to me that, that you have that desire to, to sort of connect on that level it's interesting yeah well I, I I really like like intergenerational connections and I feel like diversity of age is like something that we don't often talk about when we talk about diversity and like the ways that we can learn from each other and like, yeah, I, I just feel like there's so much to be gained there. And like, um, I, I just, I want, like, I want to play games with like everybody's dad and like ideally everybody's <laughs> grandma, you yeah. know, like I really, I, I love playing with people who think that they can't, you know, and my def- my dad definitely thinks that he could not play a role playing game. He's like, oh, that's so creative. And you guys just like come up with stuff out of nowhere. And like, he's kind of shy and like introverted, but he is really creative and like he could totally do it. I just need to find the situation and the game and the setup that's going to make him feel comfortable enough to do that right yeah. and once i do that successfully it's time to try to game with my grandmother which is like nice. my a much longer term project oh, that would be that would be great i i hadn't thought about the the generational thing as as a you know a type of diversity but it, you're totally right uh, meg <laughs> could you see yourself gaming with your parents um i think so i um my mom, we've been playing more board games with her. Uh, like, you know, we grew up playing board games with both of our parents. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
and like uh, I'll go home to visit and she'll request, you know, like bring the train game, you know, like so like oh, we'll we'll yay. play we'll play different board games, not just Monopoly or or what have you. Um so I think she's open to that. I think the transition into a role playing game would be pretty easy uh, depending on on what game. And then my dad, mm. like I know he I don't think he ever played Dungeons and Dragons, but he definitely like has made the jokes about it over the years like you know, it being mm-hmm. like for nerds and that kind of thing. But it's like, Dad, you're a giant <laughs> nerd. Have you noticed at all? Um, so I think, I think, yeah, it, it's one of those. If I found the right game, I think either one of them could could play, or would be into playing. Um, yeah, it's all just about finding that right game. Mm-hmm. Right? Which ties into that. We want to be the the matchmaker for people in games. Like yes. I, I think oh about my gosh, it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, what would be the perfect game for mom? You know, like, what, what would she totally get into? Oh, you know what? Um, Sarah Richardson actually has this great article on, I think, Women Write About Comics. Yeah, I think that's the site, mm-hmm. um, which is like the holiday geek guide to like gaming with your parents. And it's it, there's a lot of like card games and board games in there. Um, but I think we should like do more of that and try like we should try to play. We should all try to play games with our uh, parents and our family and report back and figure out what works and what is like amenable and how you figure that out challenge accepted (laughs) i I, I like the way you phrase that better because the first time that that you said it alex i was pretty sure i was like she's gonna try and muscle in time with my daddy she she wants to play with everyone's parents don't don't muscle in time with my daddy games with your dad (laughs) go for it (laughs) well so what have you guys been playing recently jim what have you been playing Oh goodness. Um let's see. I just had a I am full of stories today that there is not not time where I can't give detail <laughs> to expand upon. It's terrible. Um I just had a uh uh D fifth edition campaign that I was running completely fall apart because of bad GMing. And yes, I was the GM. Mm. Uh so that was a a GM life experience that I'm in, in process of dissecting uh, as far as what went wrong on that. So that's uh, my own little adventure in world. Um the, so in happier notes than that, I have fallen in love with a board game that anyone who's played this won't be surprised to them. Uh, Pandemic Legacy. Oh, yeah. If you have not played this game, the concept is genius, the execution is amazing, and the game design is just brilliant. I am so, so, so in love with this game and all I can think about. It, it's t- For those who don't know, Pandemic is a game such as there's a big outbreak in the world. You're trying to cure all the diseases. And there's been a regular version that's been out, I think, for a good number of years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you sort of cure all the diseases and then it's fine. Uh, what they've done in Legacy is every single month, you essentially, you're going to play the game 12 times. And you go, why in the world would I play a campaign where I play the exact same game 12 times? Aha, no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we have a whole bunch of extra cards and stickers and things that you are going to physically change your game board. And it's semi-random as far as how it all gets changed. And you are going to change it permanently. Mm. These are permanent changes, irreversible changes you're going to make to the game board. At parts, it calls for you to literally rip up cards. Like, they're ripped up. They are no longer part of your game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's it's, really cool. Oh, it's it's so the first time I ripped up a card, it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done Ooh. in my life. I go, This is <laughs> this is a card, man. This yeah. is this is randomized chance in a physical format. I can't get rid of that. <laughs> I've wanted this so much my whole life. Uh, and then the concept of, okay, I'm going to place this sticker over these rules, and those other rules are permanently gone, and the sticker is never coming off, and that is what it is. So it, it it's really a, a fascinating, interesting game that's well executed. 
excited. So that's been um, I've I've been in in, in board game mecca for that reason <laughs> at the moment. So uh, which box did you get, and is there a difference? Oh goodness! See now, now you're gonna call me out of my nonsense here because <laughs> I'm not the one that actually bought okay. it. It's one of the friends group that bought it, so I do not know which it is or what the differences are. Okay, no, that's fair. Like I was genuinely curious. I know there are different looking boxes for Pandemic Legacy, and I'm like, is is there a difference? Like, what am I buying? So I was, I was yeah, I was and I don't, I do not know that answer. Cool, me neither. I do not know that. Answer. I know that the the one that I bought is amazing. So make sure you get that one. But I have no details on how to tell you to get that one. Nice, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Alex? Um, I played a couple of games uh, at the at Living Games at the conference. Um, but what's kind of sticking with me the most is I played this game by Kat Jones and Julia Ellingbow called Ashley's Bachelorette Party. Mm-hmm. And I specifically signed up for this game um, because a bachelorette party to me is like my vision of hell. Like <laughs> I would rather be anywhere on earth than at a bachelorette party. Like you might as well just put me in a meat grinder. Yeah, it's awful. I hate it. Um, so uh, so I was like, I should LARP that and then I'll like get cool with it. And the other thing is the game is really based around themes of like sexuality and religion um, mm. because the, the setup is that it's a bachelorette party um, and Ashley has invited all of her friends and what her friends don't know is that also she's also invited her mother and her grandmother mm. um, who, are, who are Catholic and also the um sister two sisters of the groom and the mother of the groom who are from like a different uh conservative protestant um denomination and so uh so yeah and and a lot of ashley's friends are like you know like uh more i guess like lefty or liberal or whatever you want to say and uh and one of them like works in a feminist sex store and like that kind of thing um so yeah, so I was uh terrified to play this game because I like get very um I, I'm very invested in the in the in like religion and in sexuality and I have like really strong opinions about them. And people can play um particularly I think people can play religious characters in like a really not cool way that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Um so I was kinda like waiting for that to happen and then it didn't happen and it was actually great. And just like a bachelorette party, it was totally cringy and awkward and weird, um, but in like a funny way. Like, I, like you're able to kind of look at that and be like, "Wow, look at these uh, these poor squirming people, so uncomfortable." Like, one of you, it basically plays out as a series of like games, like the kinds of games that people play at bachelorette parties. Mm, okay. Um, and so. Uh, before the game starts, you get a piece of paper and you draw the present that you got for Ashley. And the idea is that all of your characters have like picked out this present in advance and you didn't know that their like grandmother was going to be there. Um, so then you have this sort of opening of the gift and they, they just show everyone the picture and look at it and then they have to guess who gave it to them. Um, oh. which is, I guess is like a real thing that people play at wedding showers and that kind of thing. And so it's all these people who have bought like lingerie and sex toys and stuff like that. And then when it comes out, they're like, oh, um, yeah, that, that was me. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys are into pegging, but <laughs> it's a really nice strap on. Like, um, and, and it was fun and it was funny and people were very like lighthearted about it. Yeah. We lost you, Jim. Um, I know. And I came back to hearing pegging and strap on. Yeah. So I missed, oh. I missed the good <laughs> stuff. You, get the, uh, no, you, you came in at just the right time. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the right time. And the people who are playing like mothers and grandmothers were were being like, "Oh, I'm so appalled and shitty." They were like, "Oh, that's a funny looking belt. Hmm, that's interesting." <laughs> or like, "Oh my gosh, the guy who played the grandmother of the bride was amazing. Like he just totally like straight faced, like understated, 
would like just slip in these things of of like saying something like really saucy and like kept alluding to the fact that she kind of thought that there was going to be a stripper at this party and was like kind of annoyed that there wasn't. (laughs) It was really, really cute. It ended up being like really cool, really fun. At some point, I I feel like based on on, on co-interest, me and Alex are going to have to have a different conversation about other fellow communities. But uh, that that, that does sound sound interesting. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So you played as one of the friends, I, I assume? Or? Uh, no, I played as the sister. Oh, my God. This was a great character, actually. I played as one of the sisters of the groom uh, who actually ra- runs a website that is like sex advice for Christian couples. Oh, nice. Um, which is like a genre of, of website that you should totally investigate and find because they're amazing yeah. and adorable and I love them. Um, and so... Um, so it was fun to be that character and to like, you know, be this like, you know, very like believe in Christian woman. Um, but at the same time, kind of surprise some of the like not Christian characters with like my opinions about sexuality. Um, and to, and so it was actually kind of cool. And it was actually, um, it was nice to sort of like feel like you don't have anything in common with other people around you. But then the more that you talk, you're like, you know what, actually like me, this like happily married, like. Um, you know, super hetero Christian lady, and you know the the woman who runs the f- feminist queer books, uh, you know, sex toy and bookstore. We actually have a lot of the same opinions. We don't have all of the same opinions, mm-hmm. but we actually do share a lot of the same values. And yeah, it, it was cool. It was interesting. Oh, that's awesome. I I want to ask you about the the non saucy side of what you just talked about. Actually, I want to mm-hmm. ask you about the saucy side, but we're going to keep this as as <laughs> PG thirteen as we can. Yes, as, as PG thirteen as a podcast that talked about strap ons can get. Mm-hmm. Um, the because uh, you mentioned religious characters uh, and how mm-hmm. they're portrayed, and that you take issue with frequently how they're portrayed. Expand upon that a little bit because I'm really curious because I think me and you maybe either share a similar strong opinion or share a very opposite strong opinions. And I'm curious. So and and of course, me being me, I'm going to make you talk first. So uh, Um, (laughs) Jim's turn to get invasive. It's not like we all do interview shows or anything. <laughs> We're, pro, you know, probing journalists. Um, you know, I went to, like I said, like I went to a Catholic university and uh, studied theology and hung out with a lot of Christians. Um, even though I, like, I'm not even baptized. I'm, I'm like not a Christian of any description. Um, but I, uh, and I went to that school to study philosophy and discovered that I hated it and then didn't, and then went into theology. Um, and I discovered that like people who it would seem had very different opinions to me. Actually, if I talked to them long enough and listened to what they actually had to say, um, we might have like all kinds of really interesting things in common. And um, I think there's just like a general tendency to have like a really stereotypical view of Christians as being like really close-minded and conservative and whatever, whatever. Um, But I think in games specifically, it's very easy for people to make Um, villains and take like genuinely terrible stuff like you you know your inquisition or your crusade or or something like that and like like yeah that stuff's like genuinely evil but i don't see i don't see like a really um uh thoughtful kind of three-dimensional really well fleshed out christian character very often um i think it's really easy for people to go with like a flat like this you know this person's like shitty and homophobic and and misogynist and and whatever because they're a christian and like that just i mean i don't live in like the southern united states right i'm canadian (laughs) so my like view of of christianity is like very skewed in that regard but that's like that's not what the people that i have really like spoken to and and been close to 
um, that's not what they're actually have been like in my experience. Okay, well, wonderful. So we we do share the same opinion then, because it, it it is one <laughs> of the one of the it's a little, sort of a dual frustrating thing for me. I don't mm-hmm. I guess I don't talk about that much on the mics because it's not that relevant. But but I I am a Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, and you know, one of the, the there's the, the the frustrating side coming from from that side of it of there is a certain stereotype that comes with it, uh, seemingly especially within our our community, uh, especially for how inclusive as we talk to be. Uh, but yeah. the the other side that is incredibly frustrating is as a person that is in love and addicted with story structure, I get so frustrated when there is one type of Christian that exists, or I shouldn't even say Christian, because let's expand it into the tabletop world. There's one type of religious person seemingly within the, the world. There is the religious zealot. That's who who's yeah. used in stories, and he's going to mm-hmm. beat you over the head about his religion and, and all of this stuff. And if there's any religious in, in almost any tabletop game, I, I would wager if there is a religious person in a position of authority they are a corrupt or bad person mm-hmm. yeah like totally, totally. like mm-hmm. nine out of ten times if not 99 out of 100 times and one of yeah. my favorite oh i ran a game it was great i i had this this one priest who was at the the he was sort of like the the spiritual leader of the town and he was sort of the center of this controversy that that the players were involved in uh and what i did was just i took this trope and and i just manipulated the crap out of my players it was awesome because it was this guy who was just Everyone in the town loved him, and he was too good to be true. And they just knew they were going to uncover the seedy nuts that he was using <laughs> to control this town. And he would, like, sneak out every night, and they couldn't find out where he was going. He was very crafty and all this. The secret was he was actually addicted to chocolate, and he was really ashamed of that fact. So he tried to Aww. hide that he would sneak out to the chocolatier. And he was just <laughs> legitimately a completely nice guy. And they tried everything they could to discredit and get this guy out of his position and at the end when it was finally revealed that like oh he is just a super nice guy there was just like this downhearted mentality at the table of well mm-hmm. why did we do that like nothing ever told us that we should do it and it was just you know of course playing on what what the trope and what people expect mm-hmm. yeah you're right and and you're very very right to extend it to just like people of faith and like religious people in general yes. and, oh yeah certainly um th- this kind of like i think that's very accurate and this sort of like trope of like oh cultists there's a cult leader and all these all these crazy cultists who are like driven mad with their you know like they've all been brainwashed and stuff and they're evil so you can kill them en masse like that's extremely messed up like i cannot get behind that at all like that's that's really like and i've and i've been in games and i feel like that's a trope for a reason because it's very easy um and like let's Let's all just not do that anymore, please. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hearing you guys talk about it, uh, I know that in the United States, I think it's still the majority of people would identify as some type of religious. Um, and so it's interesting to me that we see this trope come up so often, almost almost inevitably in every type of media. Do you think there's there's a part of it that it's easy for people to look at it and go, oh, well, they don't mean my religion. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's a big part of it, as well as I think there is a oh god we're we're, we're not supposed to talk politics yeah. and we're not supposed to talk religion and here we yeah. are uh, j- just to hit it briefly I I think there is a a culture clash that is coming because there are a a growing number of people uh, especially younger people that that do not identify with any faith that do not identify with any religion um, and it, it's resulting in some cult- culture clash because there is a lot of authoritarian aspects that come along with organized religion. Uh, So when these concepts of, you know, 
older as as often as it's seen white Christian male authoritarian you know religious figures uh, hitting a culture class with younger up and coming non religious people we 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 always as humans we have a habit of we villainize and we demonize those that are different from us and mm-hmm. one of our charges as modern developed humans is to understand that just because someone has a different opinion doesn't make them a monster no matter what side of that that you're on and in my opinion I think that's a lot of what what really perpetuates that mm-hmm. and and the other thing is too like I, I I'm I can get very defensive when talking like about certain belief systems but like I'm not over here being like oh the Catholic Church is like not homophobic oh the Catholic Church is like totally not transphobic <laughs> like no it is to the max and I, I think like th- why I get really worked up when people oversimplify and and just take like the absolute worst beliefs and apply them to all people of that faith um part of why I get annoyed about that is because like then you can't genuinely engage with that homophobia and that transphobia like if you just kind of stand outside of something and be like wow everything in that belief system is shit then it's not gonna change and you're not gonna be able to like really engage with people and and also especially because like people who are not religious um often have this idea that like everyone in a religion is like super dogmatic and they all 100% believe whatever they're told to believe mm-hmm. when in fact like nah people be heresy and like <laughs> constantly all over the place and that's great like there is such a diversity of belief in it like in like uh, every you know like every structure so so yeah and uh, like I want to uh, like I'm really down with like owning up to and like acknowledging and like facing like religious persecution and like religious based violence. But I just think that like tabletop gaming specifically (laughs) and like perhaps nerd culture more generally, like, okay, yes, we're all aware of it now. Like, yeah, we know that that is real and it might be more fruitful at this point to start painting a a richer picture, a more detailed picture and, and look at other aspects of religiosity besides just like, evil zealotry yeah wow she got heavy on the second right? watch today <laughs> that's okay um God. so real i don't even know where we are in, within, within our structured Games. format but uh, uh <laughs> i think we hit everything except uh y'all buy anything interesting we didn't do a buy we'll lighten it up you buy something fun for yourself <laughs> <laughs> um i bought something super amazing um okay. super amazing and life changing and that I want to shout out the mountaintops, but it may have to be completely cut from this podcast. That's cool. <laughs> That's it's a, a dildo. A- <laughs> yes. No, oh, that we man. would leave him. God, yeah, the, 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 the dildo <laughs> of legend. Yeah. I mean it's it, it's perfect. It works for guys, it works for girls, it says clips on the strap on. It's just I mean, it, it is everything I've ever wanted in a dildo. It's amazing. amazing. But uh <laughs> I just want to kind of go with this story now. <laughs> All right, focus up, focus up. <laughs> dildos on the brain, that's the problem. How many dildos do we get in a PG-13 rating? Yeah, I, w- I sure wish someone had told me about that rating before I started talking. <laughs> I think we went over. Hmm. Do, 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 do dildos and strap-ons compile into that same rating, or are they their own categories? We'll have to ask mm. Pat. This is this is the questions of a generation right here. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you buy? Oh, all right. Let me focus. All right. Let's see. That is totally making it into the show. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, here's the thing. I bought a game, and I don't mean like I bought a game book. I bought the rights to a game, uh, which is weird because I was like, ooh, I found a game that's new and kind of interesting, needs some rework. And I was like, I own a publishing company. We're supposed to do this kind of thing. <laughs> and I went out and I bought the rights to a game called A Single Moment. 
And this game is possibly the most Jim thing that Jim did not create in the world. Uh, an amazingly talented designer uh, by the name of Toby Abad from the Philippines. Uh, he'll actually be on my show at some point in the near future. I've already recorded the episode with him. He developed this game called A Single Moment. This is his first ever full RPG that he ever developed. And it is a game that starts it is specifically for two players. Only two players. Mm. And it starts, you both are samurai... You are facing each other. I've heard of this. About to duel to the death. And that is your first scene. And then you go back in time and you replay all of the events that lead up to this fight. And then you have your battle. And I go, this is my favorite part of L5R. Just cut and stripped and made one little one hour play session game. And oh I, gosh. when I heard about this, I was like, "This is the crazy, most awesome thing ever! I want this game. I want to, uh, I, I, I want to put a little money behind it and, and beautify it up and do a Kickstarter and really, really get it out and promote it well into the world." So that is, is, is my little buy. Is I went and bought myself an RPG, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so, 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 so excited about that. Anyway, uh, so that's 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 been my buy. That's kind of the that that's kind of been the thing. That's a Ama- like I've, I've heard of this game and it sounded amazing. I love short games. I'm obsessed with two player games. And the fact that you are like specifically just being like, mm, this game exists, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to distribute it and like bring it to a wider audience and like make it the best it can be. That is phenomenal. I, I love that. That's awesome. That's yes. So cool. uh, and I'm <laughs> so excited about it. I mean, listen, Toby, he's, I mean, we had a lot like these lengthy conversations about it. He's, he, he's a guy in the Philippines. He doesn't have the ability to, to, to come here um, and, uh, you know, to, to, to come to the States and really, really pitch it in conventions. He's not connected in that kind of way, not to say mm-hmm. that, that I am in some sort of miracle way, but I do feel I can really, re- really help get it out there and distribute it. And then the other thing that I, I do always like supporting is uh, uh, to- Toby's bisexual, and I really like supporting the uh, LGBT community and any LGBT designers that are within the tabletop world. So that that really, you know, I really want to be able to get it out there. Awesome, yeah, that's great. Have you bought anything cool lately, Megan? Um, yeah, I I bought a game, but not in that way. Um, <laughs> I bought uh, keeping. Uh, so if that's on brand for Jim, uh, I bought a game that's definitely on brand for Megan. It's another garbage dating sim, and yes, uh, it, it's called. It's actually uh, for people who are fans of the network uh, and who watch bits on bits. Uh, may know Hetoful boyfriend. <gasps> you're playing Hetoful boyfriend. I finished playing Hetoful boyfriend today. Oh, it's so great, right? It is It is amazing. I didn't know enough, or no, that's a lie. I didn't know much about it before I bought it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is, it is advertised as a dating sim where you are a human who attends a school for birds, for pigeons, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all the routes that you have op- open to you are to, uh, you know, date pigeons. And and that's that's about all you get really uh, is this this goofy you know yeah. light oh it's going to be a funny dating sim like the the otome games kind of thing like it but it's about birds and I think if you play through like the the first the easy route like it stays that way and maybe one or two of the other routes it, it still kind of stays sort of whimsical but there's a whole lot more to this game yeah. And it's and I love that about it. I love that it takes all of your expectations about this genre and is just like, nope. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to spoil anything uh, for people who haven't played it yet because it's it is an amazing reveal. But um, 
what one of the first scenes like you you go through the first couple scenes and you're like this is my school these are my friends this is my teacher and like it shows you all these like potential routes and stuff and all these these bird men that you can you know <laughs> you can pursue and then you have this scene like uh the the second day that's like oh i'm i'm at home you know the the big things tomorrow and the the background art for the like i'm at home scene is the view out of a cave yeah. And it's it's like two or three short screens so that you can just be like, what is what is happening? Like, that's a, oh, that's a funny little whimsical, like, you know, design choice for this game. OK, I, I, you know, like moving on. It's, it's really easy to ignore. But then like one or two other things come up through the course of like the first route that you're like, what is happening with Nah, You know, what? it's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to keep going. It's fine. There's nothing weird here. No, there's it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> It's yeah. There's there's shit going on and there. Everyone should totally play Hatoful Boyfriend. It's fantastic, and there's a sequel that's about Christmas that I'm gonna have to buy like as soon as we're done. <laughs> can I say that I I love Second Watch just so that we can get an update on Alex's fantasy dating life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> it's fantastic. So now that I know that uh, Alex, that you've played, um, do you do you have a favorite bird? Um, I played it a long time ago, mm. and I don't remember. Okay. Um, I think. Uh, knowing me, it was probably like, I don't know, was there like a really shy bird? Oh, there's there's the really shy library bird, and then there's the like... The, oh, yeah. Yeah, like that'll do it. And yeah, then the one that I it think... It was the library bird. Yeah, yeah. He's got a really good story. And the one that like I didn't expect to get me, but I'm a sucker for that, we've been friends since childhood trope. Like, uh. like that's the easy... like it, it could be like easily the first route you do, but I think it was my last yeah. one. Is like the yeah. one bird who's like, oh, I've known him since he was a hatchling, and he has a weak immune system, and I'm just gonna take care of him. And I'm still like, <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, so they got my number. <laughs> um, do you know? I, I was I just happened to be reading this uh, article today. Do you know um, Arden Ripley, Date or Die? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow her on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did too, and I, I just happened to like go to her. Um, uh, blog today and and they have like the, the most recent article up on on the blog is about like dating sims and romance in games and like bad endings and like how mm. it's how it's just total trash uh and and some of these games that exist like they explore these really toxic relationships but it's 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 fine it's like they're not glorifying it and uh, you know, like they really like to play them because it's just fun to explore these things. And it doesn't have to be like a, a statement about like, oh, I was a victim and this is me helping helping me get through it. Or like I'm I'm doing this because yeah. it's secretly feminist or something. And there's a line that is. Oh, here we go. It's uh, <laughs> I loved it so much because I, I, I felt it very deeply. I'm not eating directly from a dumpster because it's subversive. I just really like the taste of garbage. <laughs> like yeah, I'm right there with you. I think yeah, there's something to that, and I think of just being the seagull and just being like, you know, food exists, but I'm just gonna eat garbage, yeah. and yeah, and not having to like justify it as some kind of like healing narrative or like empowerment narrative exactly. or whatever. And just being like, I just want this, you know, and I'm aware of it, and I'm not like saying that it is good. I'm just saying I like it. I don't yeah, know. yeah, and it's okay. It's okay to like your garbage. Mm-hmm. I like I like that. What have, what have you bought recently? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if on the last episode of First Watch, I talked about my magic wand. No. Oh my God, I wish I hadn't said it like that. Um, <laughs> okay, so 
okay, but this is implying that I probably didn't. I'm going to New World Magiscola <laughs> this year, um, thanks to a scholarship from the fine folks at Bully Pulpit Games. That's I'm going to wizard school. And uh, the one thing that you, they give you a robe, but you have to bring your own wand. And I was like not extremely enthusiastic about this at first. And I was kind of just like looking on Etsy and, and the Etsy wand scene is very interesting, right? Because there's all these cosplay people, but there's also like just like straight up Wiccans and Pagans and magicians and so on. Um, so I was kind of like looking through and being like, oh yeah, I guess I have to get a wand. Ugh, God, they're so expensive. Like you can drop a lot on a magic wand. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. But I went to a local con, um, which was mostly really boring and was mostly just like a market for people selling their wares and whatnot. But there was a guy there who's selling wands like <laughs> that he made himself out of various types of woods. And so I got to go wand shopping and see like which wand, I guess in like Harry Potter, there's this whole thing of like the wand chooses you or something, Mm -hmm. or like you're like fated or destined or whatever to get a wand. Um, So I, you know, I approached this man and his, his wand selection. And I was like, I was like, okay, so this is what's happening. And this is what I need it for. um, But I don't know even where to start. Should I just like start picking them up and stuff? And then he started asking me questions about like my personality and like my energy and like my tendencies yes. and like my like you know all this stuff. Um, he didn't quite ask me my sign, but it was like that kind of mm-hmm. line of questioning. And so based on that, he started like he was like, "Oh, rosewood, rosewood would be really really good for you." Okay, try this walnut. Okay, try this one. Try this one. Try this one. Mm-hmm. And so I tried all these wands, and I ended up like dropping like you know like thirty forty dollars on a wand, which seems so ridiculous to me, but it really feels like good when I hold it and like it feels nice and it feels like like kind of grounding to me which is like something that I really need um because I can be kind of flighty and airy and like all over the place and (laughs) I'm like I'm excited for Magiscola I'm excited for wizard school but I'm also terrified because I've never done a weekend long LARP before I've never done anything like that and it's I'm and I'm being going to be a professor so I'm really intimidated and, like, the wand is actually making me feel so much better. And I just, like, hold it all the time now because it feels good. And I'm like, yeah, magic. I have I have magic, maybe. <laughs> so that's, like, it's my favorite object right now. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's so good. I love everything about that story. Like, yeah. like that, that sales, salesman sounds like one of my favorite types of people. Like It was so great. I was telling, I can't remember what I told him, but he was like, ooh, st- stay away from the birch. Don't touch the birch. Like, <laughs> he was like, so on, like, oh, yeah, so on so point good. about the various, yeah, magics. Yeah, like, it's it's so easy to dismiss that as just being like, oh, you know, he's he's eccentric and, and, and you know, kooky yeah. and that sort of thing. But like, I love it. Like, there's, there's so much, yeah. like, they genuinely care. Like, you can tell that he genuinely cared about making sure yeah. you find something you're you're comfortable with like in in yeah. his way and that's so great i know and i liked that because the thing is like um i didn't really want to get a cosplay wand because i'm not like a harry potter fan so that doesn't mean yeah. anything to me but i also don't feel totally right getting a wand from like an actual like practitioner of magic or like wicca or whatever yeah. or witchcraft and then being like i'm gonna use it for a game haha <laughs> like that feels kind of shitty to me mm-hmm. so it was really nice to chat with this guy who was like at a you know at a convention and like and you know selling to nerds and to just be able to talk and i don't know to still be able to treat it as like i seriously want something that is like going to be good and like suits me and like fits me or whatever and it's not just a costume but also like i'm but but there's an understanding that like i i'm not using this for ritual magic or whatever and that being okay and that being cool in the way that we talked about it felt very very comfortable and very all right 
You've got me wanting to go to this shop now and find out what, what my proper wood is to have. Right? I want to talk to this dude. Like, right? <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could bring you all to Ottawa and meet this man and find your own magic wand yeah. for whatever purposes you might need them. <laughs> Stuff happens. Um, do we need to have an encounter, probably? Some kind of... What are we going to wrap this up with? Ugh, let's just say that like a bear comes out and eats us. <laughs> How would we fight a bear? Mm, we wouldn't. Uh, see, and and now the terrible thing is, I have a story about specifically that. Okay, punching a bear. Uh, no, a bear coming out and eating everyone. And, and this isn't even that great of a story, but I'm going to tell it just because I've never been set up like this for it before. Um, I, I legitimately had there. There's a little video game called RPG Maker. People might be familiar with it. Yes. <gasps> yes. And. <laughs> And R- RPG Maker is is another one of the staples of my childhood because I got mm-hmm. the original PS1 version of RPG Maker the first time uh-huh. I experienced it. Yeah, yeah. And then I have bought, I believe, every single version of it that's come out for, for PC and all of that. Um, and I love making RPGs, and I've made a ton of them, and I have shared them with precisely zero people because they are <laughs> bad, but yeah. I love them. Uh, so it was, I think it was when I got RPG Maker, it was XP um, that came out, and it was the first, I felt like it was the first really versatile one that I could really do, really do a lot of in, in sort of like a, a you know old school JRPG style. Uh, so I, I did my whole little game and it was about a 10 hour long game uh, and at the end of it I didn't know like how to end it so I did like, I was like okay well let's just do like a montage of what everyone is doing. So I'm like alright fine, little little montage scenes and all that and one of the characters like he was questing to, to train to be the, the best or some other Goku type storyline, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. um, and I literally, I I was like, okay, so he's just going to, like, train in the woods? Like, that's boring. And I was like, I haven't used the bear sprite. So I literally <laughs> ended his story with also just here, and a bear comes out. And it goes, and he was mauled by a bear and killed. Literally how I ended his story for no reason other than bear mauling. So that is that is my, my everyone died to a bear story. That That is an extremely RPG maker uh, move. Yeah. Right. Aesthetic, and I, I can appreciate that very deeply. I'm, shy. I'm so happy that you all know what it was. I assume I was going to say it, and people were going to be like, what in the world's RPG maker? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> we got you. I, I had my, uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, my people, my people. So yeah. that, that's, so, so are, are, are we going to do that? <sighs> we're all mauled by bears? Yeah. I, I, yep. I think our encounter is that Jim tells us a nice story about somebody getting mauled by a bear. And we all win. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Now I have to go back and, and dig up that, that old jo- uh, that old game nice. file and play that. Mm, that's going to be 10 hours of my weekend gone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Hey, mon, awesome. mon plaisir. Mm-hmm. This was fun. 